The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From exciting and enigmatic Eagle Rock, California, this is the Knapsack Files podcast feed. I'm Tim Powers, and I'm ordinarily the host of another show called Deep Dish Radio. And if you're not listening to that, you probably should. But uh, today, I am the Knapsack Files first guest host. Uh, I've been a friend of Ken's for uh, for many years now, and um, a lot of similarities in our backgrounds. And we'll get to that in a minute. But the my guest today is your host. Ken Knapsack. Uh, for my show, Deep Dish Radio, I interviewed Ken not that long ago and decided to to sit on that interview for a little while. And uh, just recently, I uh, on a, on an episode of the Knapsack Files, Ken said, "Well, there haven't been enough guests." And I thought, "Well, I've been a guest on the show twice. Why don't we reverse it? Why don't we make Kenny the guest? I'll host the show." So I am the first Knapsack Files guest host, and it's an honor and a privilege to be here. I met Ken many, many years ago as we were both struggling stand-ups in uh, Los Angeles, California. And I'll be honest, he was very funny. He was, he, he was a great host. He was, uh, he was a lot funnier than me. And uh, I sensed, my spider sense picked up some trouble in his universe. And we got to know each other as we did a lot of the same shows for the Rebels of Comedy and for the White Boys and for the early days of the Schmoes No Show. Um, back when uh, when there was a live show, Kenny was the host, and I was periodically there. In fact, if you're a Schmoes No listener, you might remember me as the elongated man who sat in for the pit boss when he was out for a while. Well, as you listen to the Knapsack Files, and I know you do because you adore Ken, that's the only reason you listen, uh, you, you, you learn things about him, and you understand... Uh, his personal struggles, and you understand his life, but you also know that there's a little bit more that's there, a little bit behind the uh, behind the curtain, under the surface. Well, this interview that we're, you're about to hear, uh, I did with Ken just a few months ago, and uh, and you get to see behind the curtain. It is a rare glimpse, a rare uh, open book look at my dear friend, and I am so lucky to call him that. Um, I. I I think that uh, Ken doesn't really know how much the people around him just really love him. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends. And uh, they all have the same just dear affection for this guy. He is so loved. And uh, I'm so glad to be a part of this show where you guys have an affection for my dear friend, too. So here he is, my fellow former radio broadcaster buddy, my fellow former stand-up comedian, my fellow podcaster, my traveler through the universe, and my fellow depressive, ladies and gentlemen, Ken Napsack. All right, so Ken, you have for years been running the Napsack Files, yeah, right, and... Uh, available on iTunes and wherever uh, fine podcasts are sold. <laughs> and you've had tons of guests and tons of our mutual friends and yeah. tons of people that you've introduced me to. Right. Um, and really one of the best interviewers that I've had the, the good fortune to listen to. And you get a lot out of people, but nobody ever interviews you. Right. Nobody ever pulls back the curtain and sees the mm-hmm. man pulling the levers. Right. And uh, 
I always thought that that was because what was behind the curtain was repulsive and hideous. True. Uh, so I True. thought we'd uh, we'd introduce that to our our mutual listeners and say, all right, I love it. Let's uh, let's see the uh, the hideousness. No, I love it. You that know, is. look to to be fair, was once interviewed by Mark Ellis, but that was a couple years ago, and a lot has happened since then. And it, but that's the only time I've really been officially on the record interviewed. Okay, so 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 here we are. So this is a good time to do it. Okay, very good time. Now, uh, my understanding is that you started in radio almost right out of high school. Uh, yes, actually, a uh, year after, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a year after high school. Graduated high school in 1994, Royal Grande Eagles. Right. Um, and I was going to film school. I was starting to go that route. Okay. So I was in uh, community college. Right. Uh, taking classes of screenwriting and film directing and all that stuff. And I quickly learned that um, to be a film director, you don't just stand on a set and get to point. <laughs> <laughs> Yet and and you know you see all those steel photography shots from like Greece or or not, or not Greece but American Graffiti right or Jaws or, or, or could whatever. be Greece too um, or Greece too as well um, and uh, you know Spielberg and it's they're always like with an actor like it's it's Lucas and Mark Hamill and Lucas is just kind of pointing right they look like, like Lewis and Clark the scenes over there this is the emotion of scene. I'm like that's what I want to do as a director right. Um, but then you realize, no, it's a, it's a lot of work. Right. And so I, I started to peel back from that. Okay. And ever since I was three years old, I would talk into microphones. My dad, uh, God bless him, would sit down with me and uh, on a reel-to-reel and record shows with me. See, I was going it, to – it never starts in the teens. It no. starts before that. Right, right. You like listen to Howard Stern and how does he start? His dad was uh, you know, an in, engineer and all right. that kind of stuff. And that would that would be me. So I just had it. And then when I was um, before like fourth, fifth grade, I had a little like Fisher Price like uh, boombox record thing, cheap cassette player. Yeah, but it was it was four kids and a big buttons and everything, and you could, it could record. My first Sony, perhaps. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, my first Sony. Ding. Um, it had a record button, a microphone, and I could record shows. Right. And so I would. I recorded a show where I was a fix-it guy, and I'd teach people how to fix roller skates, and so I didn't know how to do this. Right. And I'd interview my sister and um, some friends that would come by, and I'd do this show. And then and then uh, come ninth grade, I, with a boombox, a legit boombox, right. and a clock radio, and a microphone attached to the boombox, I could cr- record direct to a cassette tape, and I could hold a microphone up to the other cassette tape and play right. some songs. And then come out of that song, that's the Beatles, I Want to Hold Your Hand, here on the Knapsack Radio. And I'd do a show when I was in the ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And I'd record some of them and send them out to my friends. Um, and then by tenth grade, I got depressed and they wanted to be a baseball player. That wasn't happening. They wanted to be on Saturday Night Live and all these other dreams filter into your life. Right. Um, and that thing kind of filtered, kind of fittered away, the, the broadcasting, because I didn't think it was a legit thing. And then... then Stumbled into uh, a UHF TV station gig in my second year of college. And um, through that, met the morning DJs there, local morning DJs. What were you doing at the TV station? Uh, I was hosting a show. First, I was floor directing and doing some behind-the-scenes stuff. Right. And we had a live show every... we every Monday through Friday. Wait, live local television? Live local television. Wait, they still do that? I guess they did they it then. They still do, but this was in 1995, and, and okay. uh, I think or late 94 at the most. Um, no, early spring of 95. Sorry. Right. I love getting dates wrong and then getting them right. Um, and uh, a live show, half hour, 7 o'clock okay. every week. We go from college. We go over there. We help set up. We help this. We help that. And then uh, like Wally Pip and Lou Gehrig, the host on Thursday, 
couldn't be there one week. So they let me host because anyway, I like to do the comedy and stuff. So you got to pinch it for Lou Gehrig. I got to pinch it for <laughs> Gerard Gehrig. And uh, I uh, you know, had my monologue, and it's bad. There's some footage of it. I don't like to get it out. It's hilarious. But, but it's you're bad. 19 years old, right? Yes, 19 years old. <laughs> Hi, welcome to this Yeah, and, this it's, and it's this sheltered, naive, small-town kid doing monologue jokes about right. the world at large, you know, who's never been outside of his city other than to visit Yosemite and SeaWorld. And and, not uh, a whole lot of stand-up at that y- point yeah, either, huh? No, no, no stand-up. No, so only performance chops is what I had naturally or what I'd done at high school and junior high right. in, in, in theater. So the endorsement deals in Arroyo Grande were just <laughs> pouring in. Uh, Grande Whole Foods was there. They yeah. were a sponsor. Sure. Um, some guys who ran a, a bait shop, they were a sponsor. Um, <laughs> and they also hosted the show on Tuesday. <laughs> So, you wanted in the biz, you just had to pay for a sponsorship spot. Um, but through that, I met Freddie B. and John Mackey, who were the local morning DJs on K-Bear 95, California's Rock and Roll Bear, 95.3 on your FM dial, KWBR. Um, and I started interning for them, along with my friend uh, Matt Donovan, and then we, we interned, and then... Um, it was. I started getting on the air on the morning show. I'd do call-ins. I'd be the caller. You know, if they didn't... Right. John was also the program director at the time, and... Um, crusty old New Yorker, but he was 36 at the time, you know, we see, and he turned to me, hey, uh, kid, get on the phone, like, we don't have anyone calling in right now, so I'd be like, caller five, calling for the Napomo Mesa, hey, it's Rocco, how you doing, uh, want to win the tickets to see the ACDC cover band, <laughs> and um, I'd do that, and then I started right. doing the sports reporting, and then uh, that's where a lot of the style that you might see on Schmo's No started developing. I have the same music bed, the Bret Hart music bed, and right. I would just do the news. And I'd do the music news, and I'd report it and then work in jokes. It wasn't about the jokes. It was about the news. And I started getting a bit of a reputation there in town and some local journalists and stuff like me. And and uh, then uh, Station got sold, all the stuff and all these details. John and Fred had left. And uh, John, uh, his last uh, his last thing as the program director and the morning show host was to install me as the host. Whew. It was like he was going out the door, and he was like, kid, it's yours. And he just tosses you the keys as yeah, he goes out the yeah. door. I was 20 years old. Uh, me and my friend Matt Donovan, Matty D, uh, was my co-host, high school buddies, 20 years old. We're doing this morning show. And it was a lit, legit station. A lot of people hear my age when I did it. Oh, like college radio. No, no, it was a legit reporting radio station. Right. Uh, we were uh, number one in the market at one point, the station. Um, but it was going through some struggles, and that's probably the reason I was allowed to just kind of sit there and, and find my legs as a broadcaster. Right. Um, held the morning show post down for a little under a year, and then some new ownership had come in, and then they were just kind of letting us kind of do our thing, and then uh, um, it was time to cut us, and, and Matt and I, we did not do, you know, we as a morning show, we weren't like... Uh, Ziggy in the Zoom here and doing our right. gigs. And we had we're a lot of... honking horns and stuff. Yeah, we had a lot of obtuse things. I've talked about it before in other places, but like we had a gig where we hired a sports reporter from uh, Ohio named Doug Hickman. Right. And we did this bit for two weeks. We're Doug starting in two weeks, and then we built it up. Doug Hickman, he's coming from... Here's his resume. Big sports fan. Loves the Reds, but... His first day of starting. Sorry, Doug's car broke down. He couldn't get in there. <laughs> we carried it out for about a week and a half. That every tomorrow, Doug is starting, and then finally, the last day, we're like Doug, and we had someone in the background going, "Hey!" And then we made this sound, and we one of our interns tripped, and we like a Doug hit his head. Call the police, Doug hit his head. <laughs> and so next day, Doug Hickman's been fired, 
And we actually got some people calling. I don't think that's fair. You didn't give him a chance. He never got to go on air. You know, <laughs> there's so, no Doug Hickman. Yeah, so we try to send our friend Gavin around town with a prize satchel. And this is before social media. It would have been so easy to do now. Right. But this is back where you had to go. He, Gavin had to go to a pay phone to call us. You know, go around town. He has a red beret on. He was a heavy set gentleman. Go find Gavo in his prize satchel and win a prize. And like, <laughs> we just did sh- <laughs> shit like that. And and it, if we were in a bad mood, we were in a, the show was in a bad mood. If we were in a, a good mood, it was in a good mood. And that might have been our downside. We were emotional young men, you know, um, lonely still are. Right. Um, and uh, must have been the curse of that show because we're both still uh, forty and not married. So something about that show cursed us. Um, so it had to come to an end, and and I ended up going. The show broke up. Uh, they f- they fired us as a morning show host, but he Matt stayed on as the news guy, and I went to gra- the graveyard position, and I uh, held down the graveyard spot. Um, and every night for six months, he used a different name, <laughs> and I wrote them all down, occasional repeat or something like that. And I just st- I'd I'd open up the microphone and be like, "Cabra ninety five, it's Slappy McCloud here. We got a." Next night, you know, Bannister St. John here. On the, I, just, right. I was just kind of pissed off, brooding. No one was listening. I loved the graveyard shift. It was, and it ended up being good. Yeah. How many times on your graveyard shift would people call you mid-sexual intercourse to request a song? It happened. It happened a lot. It happened a lot. Yeah. I'd get this woman to call on the weekends about 2 a.m. requesting some Ted Nugent, and I was hearing some sounds that I was not familiar with myself at the time in the background. Sometimes... They were involved in sexual intercourse without a partner. Yeah. I got a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the radio DJ, I used to have the, 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 the night shift over at the, uh, like the grocery store would call me. Right. And it was a, he was at the time, he's no longer, but this guy was married to a girl I knew in high school, junior high and elementary school, actually. Right. And he'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm Renee's husband. Oh, cool. And he requested a song. Well, it got to the point where every night, He'd call up and request like a two-hour block of songs for him, him and his staff just to crank up. Oh, I play all of them in a row. You got to program your own yeah. music, you lucky bastard. Exactly. Uh, it was a great time. And after that ended, it ended. I uh, woke up one morning, January 1998. I had uh, the weekend off, and I was actually heading to L.A. to see Oasis in concert with my friend Joel, who lived down here going to CSUN. And the boss called me, and everyone was laid off. And the format changed, and my radio career was over. And never to this day, really, I've never got it back. Right. Uh, didn't try, but also, so again, it was something I put aside. Mm-hmm. It's something I put behind me, and I got into sketch comedy and writing and stand-up comedy and all that other things, the things that I love and wanted to do. Um, but then uh, then that pull, ca- the pull of the microphone and the cords, and it actually was working with the schmoes and working with you. Right. It kind of showed me what was possible in the podcasting world. And uh, that's where I'm at now, doing a lot of stuff in that. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I think I I came into the picture, in your picture, probably about five years after that. Uh, we met doing stand-up. Yeah. Right? Uh, and met through the, the White Boy organization. Yeah. And, Is uh, it an organization? It, it, uh, it I use it in the, I use organize in the loosest sense. But uh, We did have a show that met. Uh, the requirements of an organization. It there was, was a, a particular time. start time, yes. and most of us were there. And an address. And, and there were expectations <laughs> of the people who were hired to perform, and most of them met those expectations. Right. right. And uh, and we kind of found our sea legs, but at the time, you know, podcasting was, was just getting started. I remember talking yeah. to you about this really, really early on, and you're like, my impression of podcasting is two guys rambling for about four hours and not really saying anything. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up 
Because you have a distinct memory of that. I don't have a memory of that specific conversation, but I have a memory of believing that. <laughs> and I wish I did. I wish you it had It was about been... the time you started drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Heavily. Um, I wish you had been more forceful, Tim, and pulled me in sooner. I blame this on you. Well, I didn't no. have the gear now. I mean, yeah. now. Uh, yeah. No, I was adverse uh, uh, to podcasting. I didn't... Uh, I didn't get why I would want to do it because I, I was in radio. Yeah, I'm and, with you. And I think a lot of radio people I know who who did their time in radio don't even still to this day acknowledge podcasting as a legit form of entertainment or broadcasting. More and more they are, I think. I know a few that are holding out strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, I would much rather broadcast to a potential audience of yeah. 25,000 people than, right. you know, 35 who are downloading this show. And thank you very much. I love you all. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I, I have the same way. I have a Star Wars show that's very small but mighty, but it means a lot to me. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're doing it because you love it. And, yeah. you know, they all, the, the mantra in Hollywood is if you do what you love, the money will follow. Um, so apparently there are a lot of people who love pushing a shopping cart down <laughs> Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Hollywood, baby, what's your dream? Um, yeah, yeah, that's, but yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you actually really start it? Uh, this podcasting, podcasting uh, probably seven years ago, Sex Car and I started uh, with the Comics on Comics guys, um, Vita Lapicola and Juan Manuel Juan Manuel Rocha. Two thousand eight, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I got to sit in with them on a couple of things, and um, you know, various uh, right. started to accumulate my own equipment, and then my partner Sex Car looked at me and said, "Why don't we just do this ourselves?" And we began right. Fandom Planet about two thousand eight or nine, right. And uh, and that gave way to uh, to Deep Dish, right? You know, Sax had his own things to do, and you know, Fandom Planet's door is always open. But right. you know, I, I started to meet people like Bobby Hart and right. and P.F. Right. Sloan, and I'm like, I I need to do something with this, right? And uh, uh, and that's how that's how Deep Dish got started. That's great. No, and and that and I wish I really wish I'd started earlier. I mean, a lot of people could probably say that about a lot of good things in their lives. Like, right. I, if I just done it because you know i look at some of the guys who were there 2004 2005 you know they're big now they're doing their thing and and because you got there first sometimes and they're great at we you know, i'm thinking of you know the marins and the colt cabanas of the world right. and stuff like that uh and a lot of other shows there's so much out there and that's the thing too is I, at one point i was like there's too much people doing this i don't want to crowd the field what how am i going to break through or why do i even want to and and that's a mistake if you're out there listening and you want to do whether it be podcasting writing screenwriting acting uh being a fireman it doesn't matter your dreams don't worry just go do it and and there will be a place for you you'll find your audience and that's the thing is i have an audience a small and mighty audience but it's my audience and they'll listen to my star wars show before they listen to any other star wars show it might be only 20 of them um, but, um, you know, uh, that, that is, that's all I need is an audience. Your podcast empire though, and, and not to sell uh, it uh, short, uh, 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 uh. not to sell it short. Yeah. Uh, it kind of sprang from your, your, your schmo work. Yes. Let's, let's back up. Tell me the story of how, uh, how you got involved with those guys. Sure. Well, Mark Ellis and Christian Harloff. Or I should say, Christian Harloff and Mark Ellis. That's what we have to say by contract. Um, I'm joking. I'm joking. Mark, I'm joking. Um, started. I knew them uh, much like you did in stand-up comedy right. 12 years ago now. So yeah. we're talking. I first met. I actually met Mark Ellis first at the comedy store. 
Mm. He was uh, Pudgy Fat Mark, and he was learning the art of comedy. And he I had a long Pudgy Fat Mark. He had with a long way to go. Lesbian softball coach <laughs> haircut. <laughs> he had a long way to go yep. to, to learn the ropes. <clears throat> and um, Christian, I met about uh, maybe it's a, I think I, I 2003 2004. I, it was like I saw him, met him. I didn't really know him till 2005. So it's a ten year ten year period now. That's the rebels of comedy. Rebels of comedy, yep. and then uh, which turned into white boy comedy. Right. Christian's a great stand up comic, and I didn't see Mark Ellis for a long time because he just went and just put his head down and started plying his trade at the comedy store. And I stopped kind of performing at the comedy store because I found the white boy comedy shows. And I like nesting. I like finding homes. Yep. And I just kind of went to that show every week. Well, and you were kind of our host. You I know? was the host, you, yeah, you, most of the you time. You became the de facto face of of that show. Yeah, which is probably why it failed. But I, um, <laughs> I uh, love doing it, you know, and I love going there every right. Thursday, 7 p.m. It was like my thing. And, and so Christian and I became friends about 2006. We, we bonded over talking about G.I. Joe and Transformers. I thought I would have nothing in common with this man. He's a, a energetic, uh, charismatic, good-looking man. Women were always around him, and I'm the opposite of all three of those categories. Yeah, it's true, and it's very true. And um, so, uh, but we became friends. And uh, he again is so funny when when he and Mark Ellis started podcasting, as the Schmoes know, podcast, uh, 2011, I believe. Just now, a little thing in the room. They started on on YouTube. Right? Well, they started doing movie reviews, yes, and that's still to this day the bulk of what they do. They are movie reviewers. They are, right. are accredited by the MPAA um, and uh, certified fresh they are and Rotten Tomatoes and all that good stuff. That's their main bread and butter. Right. But 2011, and to suggest they were on the Adam Carolla podcast a lot, there's another guy who got there first and got yeah, there no big um, and is great at what he does. They got there, and um, um, they started, they got, it was suggested to them to do their own podcast. Long story short, they started in the room and, and just by their by themselves, and then it grew and grew, and then they started doing shows uh, with Toad Hop, the Toad Hop Network. Right. The time was up at Universal City Walk, and that's when I kind of met up with them again. And I remember when I was on their first couple shows of their podcast. I, we talked about Star Wars. Um, and I'll tell you, I, was, uh, I loved it. It was fun, but I kept thinking, <laughs> these guys, come on, you're just podcasting. Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, I was in radio. I read the time and the weather. Like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I had ratings. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I had a book. I had a book that had my ratings and all this. I had a playlist, man. Um, my call letters were on the backs <laughs> of people's cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. bumper stickers, man. Um, and um, I kind of was uh, not dismissive of them, but just uh, like, all right, that's fun. Good luck with that. I'll see you. Bring me on whenever you want to talk Star Wars. Um, and then when they moved to Toad Hop over at University, I stopped stopped by, and then there. Things started to change because now you're doing it live, and now you got cameras, and now it looks like a radio station. Now it feels like a radio station, and I started to get that tingle. Like, uh, and and uh, this time, Tim, it was a good tingle in my pants. Oh, and um, then uh, they switched locations. Toad Hop switched locations to a good location right there in La Brea and Hollywood. And uh, I started tweeting and watching and texting, and I was, uh, you know, maybe revealed for the first time, just kind of jealous that these. Good friends of mine had this show every Wednesday morning, right. 10 a.m., live to the world, and it was a radio show. And I'm like, hot damn, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I used to do. And I tricked my way into becoming the producer of the podcast in October 2012. And by then, it was uh, we're off and running. And in February 2013, I got some gear thanks to Mr. Tim Powers, you, 
um, helped uh, kind of get me started with some starter gear, and cool. I recorded my uh, first episodes of the Knapsack Files, and haven't looked back since. And we we've got the Knapsack Files, which went from just a show to a, a podcast feed with different shows. Right. And I got a, a a podcast feed I don't use much called the Wrestling Viewpoint Network, but still got some great shows cataloged on there. And I've just as we're recording this today, launched uh, my Star Wars feed called Force Center, which is all Star Wars stuff. It's going to be different shows with me, my friend Joseph Scrimshaw, and other contributors who are Star Wars fans. Um, so does it make me any money? Negative money. Negative. Literally. Yeah, I lose I some money sometimes. But um, I'm building it, man. And Schmoes has led to so much other. But it all the love of it really was rekindled working for the Schmoes podcast. And that's uh, that's really kind of the point that I was that I was trying to make, which right. is that um, the audience yeah. has found you, yeah. But they found it, you know, they're introduced to you, yeah. Uh, you know, through and around, uh, through and around the schmoes has to be. Yeah, I be I'm the pit boss on the show, and I do the news, and, right. and I don't actually right now do it. I'm taking a break, but. But that was my thing and my calling card. It's, it's my chance to be funny, and it's more fulfilling than, than stand-up comedy was at the time for me, you yeah. know. And stand-up has its highs and lows, and I've had some great moments and some horrible moments and some a lot of middle-road moments, as you know. <laughs> you and I kind of have a similar view of stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, they found me. And so once you, you know... I just needed to get in, and I still just needed to get in. And the great pro wrestler Stone Cold Steve Austin once uh, heard him interviewed about when he joined the WWF at the time, WWE now, in 1996, he was given a horrible gimmick called the Ringmaster. It was a really bad gimmick, and it was, and he, he'd been kind of his career was in the, in the dumps for a while, and he'd come back on. And they gave him this gimmick, and it was bad. But that turned into Stone Cold Steve Austin in a short amount of time. And he was interviewed one time and asked about it. How did you get through that gimmick? And he said, I didn't care. I just needed to kick the door down. I just knew I needed to get in there. Right. I just need sh- needed camera time, needed ring time, and I will take care of the rest. And that's what I feel like the Schmoes thing, which is a, a great gimmick. No question. But it, I just need to get in there. I just needed to be on the playing field. I mean, what those guys have built is really impressive yeah when you consider that they literally started with just an idea yeah right which is something that we couldn't do back in the radio days you couldn't just go i have an idea and then build a transmitter and then get fcc (laughs) clearance and then get your ascap and bmi license and then get sponsors and no you can't do that right um now mercifully i suppose for those of us who, who choose to do it we you know for a few hundred bucks you can set you can set yourself up pretty nicely yeah and it's just about doing it, and, and, and I know some people who get their gears, and um, I, I've heard a lot of, I'm going to start a podcast. I've heard that a lot. We've done it. We've done it. And ours, yeah, ours, which you, those are still good episodes buried in all vaults, but yep. but we did it. Um, I see people who get the gear, and they just don't. Here's what we're talking about, folks. About mm, three, four years ago, yeah. uh, Ken and I and a mutual friend of ours um, put together just a little 15-minute uh, vampy show, right? Right, and um, <laughs> it, we would record several episodes at a time, and it ended up being something that we're both very proud of. Yeah, but uh, probably wasn't prudent to release at the time. Right, and uh, right, they may show up at some point on one of our feeds yeah, somewhere. It could be. It could be. Um, yeah, yeah. But it was fun, and 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 getting to broadcast with you, a radio guy. 
that helped further it even more where, you know, some of my shows, The Knapsack Files is kind of a quiet interview show. Right. Uh, and if if you will, it's two guys rambling on, on a podcast. And I've grown to love that style, but I also do other shows. The Schmoes have evolved into an actual show now. It's a video show. Um, and that's the thing. But but going back to what you talked about, the opportunity, yeah, I wish, like I had the opportunity at 18, 19 years old to be on air. Uh, um, and I've squandered it a little bit. Um, but I wish, I, I really, you know, you're young. You don't know. It's hard to be professional when you're young. Yeah. But but I'll tell you, uh, I look now with Twitter and Periscope and all these social media and all the stuff. Man, if I was had that radio show now like I did then, I'd be killing it, man. I'd be killing it. So I'm trying to get back there in a way. I'm you would, but but radio is not what it was 20 years ago. It isn't. No, no, no. It isn't. But but yeah. I could have the that. industry isn't what it is. The audience isn't there like it used to be. Everything is so fragmented now. True. You know that uh, it's it's going to be the 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 victor in all this is going to be the most visible across multiple platforms. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, and it's funny. I stick to podcasting. I stick to audio. Uh, a lot of people want me to do more on YouTube. Um, Have they seen you? Because uh, <laughs> man, no. There's there's a no. reason we're in radio. Yeah, there's a reason. This gray gray beard now. This splotchy gray beard. Um, but I don't do it. I concentrate on one, and and I think you're right. I think it hurts me sometimes. I think you could get out there faster doing YouTube and and uh, technology. I still feel I'm a couple years behind it. I'm like, I got some good microphones and a recording device. And people are like, yeah, that's cool. I'm live streaming. Um, so that might be the next arena I go into is, is uh, you know, I got a nice camera and all that good stuff. Maybe maybe I start live streaming some stuff from home or something like that. I just don't have a good setup like you do here that's a permanent <laughs> base of operations. Well, and a story to tell. I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing that's really kept me from from really going too far is... Uh, you know what the hell do I have to really talk about? In be- uh, talking in between records, awesome. You right. and I could both do it all day, right? right but right. I don't think anybody want- wants to listen to what I have to say for more than ten or fifteen minutes at a time. And frankly, I don't even want to listen to me talk about anything for ten or fifteen minutes at a time. Maybe, but here, but here's what I'll say about that: as I look up at your WKRP in Cincinnati DVD box set on your shelf here, it's a bootleg with all the original music. That's ooh, sorry, Ron. Ooh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, you talk about people not wanting to hear. You know, you and I are the same ilk. We're the same depressive, self-loathing ilk at times. True. But look, I do a Star Wars show called Spotlight Star Wars, and this came after I was doing Jedi Alliance on the Popcorn Talk Network, which was a fully functional live hour show with video. It was a little TV show. Right. Sports Center of Star Wars. Um, I had so a very clever tagline. Uh, well, I'll put a pin in that. Okay. Um, I had to leave the show because of the new job I got over at Screen Junkies and Defy Media, so I had to leave the Star Wars show. So I, I had been doing my own show on the Knapsack Files. I just said, you know, I couldn't get out to interview people as much as I used to or actually couldn't bring people into my house as easier as I could, and you've been on some episodes at my house. I have. Um, so uh, it's just difficult time scheduling roommate, blah, blah, blah. But I do have a, 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 a setup, a solo mic set up in my room all the time, a little podcaster mic, good stuff. So I didn't know what to do with it, and I felt weird just talking to myself. Like, uh, but So I started talking about Star Wars, even though I was doing Jedi Alliance. And then I left Jedi Alliance, and those shows were 10, 15. It was designed to be 10, 15 minutes of me just talking about Star Wars. Well, they're longer now, and I try to keep them short, but they're longer because the people out there, the God bless my fans, want me to talk longer. And I couldn't imagine why. I still to this moment don't imagine why. 
And I've done some solo shows on the Knapsack Files, so it's just me talking. Right. And I'm like, that's horrible. I get people, hey, I'd, I'd like you to do more of those shows. Those were awesome. So don't sell yourself short, Mr. Powers, or anyone out there. You may have a story to tell. Fair enough. I think the, a lot of times the most compelling part of the Knapsack Files is the character, is, is, the, is the Ken Knapsack character. Uh, that's a weird character. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I love him dearly. It's, uh, well, it, it, it is definitely a character. Um, it's real. Mm-hmm. It's like, because for me, everything comes back to pro wrestling. <laughs> so I'm playing, um, you know, the late Roddy Piper, may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, he was one of the all-time great heels because that was him. It was an altered version of him. Right. Having met him and been around him, I can tell you it definitely wasn't him completely. But what you saw was him. A part of his spirit blew up onto the TV screen, you know, blown up on the TV screen. So the Knapsack Files and who I am, it's... Uh, you just amplify it. It amplifies. I feel bad sometimes... Because I do have this fan base now from Schmoes, and I set myself up for some of the stuff. I, I give this example. I was uh, at my old job, and there was a sushi restaurant there, and I loved going there by myself, and, and I'd be in a suit and tie and my, my radio and everything, my, my work radio, and I'd just sit by myself and eat. and Loved it. No problem. Well, I'm sitting there one day, and I'm like, I must look really funny to people. Just uh, There's nothing more depressing than like a guy in a suit at a sushi bar by himself. It's like Bill Murray in Lost in Translation. So I just put a tweet out about it. You know, Nothing more sad than a man sitting at a sushi bar in a suit, blah, blah, blah. I was having a great day, too. Right. It's a funny observation to me. I got people writing me, tweeting me, Facebooking me. Are you okay? Why are you so depressed? What do, you, do you need a friend to come eat lunch with you? I'm like... Oh, I did this to myself. Now, is it people at my level, or is it people like both okay. fans, gener- a little, a little generation out, so to speak, right. and, and some friends too? Right. Get texts. Are you okay? Are you okay? Do we need to talk? And look, and I appreciate that because sometimes I do. Sometimes it is real, and that's where the Twitter thing becomes. It's 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 tough to explain. I've checked in on you. If I haven't yeah, heard from yeah, you in yeah, a couple yeah, of weeks, yeah, I'm yeah. like, hey man, and I'll check in You're on right? you when I can remember it too. I got to set an alarm or check in on Tim. <laughs> Kick the corpse. Um, but I set that up for myself because I set up this character, this online persona sometimes, right. that is the sad sack guy. And look, I don't get women. I don't have success with women. That stuff's true. But at the same time, there was a period of Check time. Check his Instagram feed, folks. He is always pictured next to incredibly beautiful women. Wonderful women. I'm great friends to all of them. Uh, I've not seen any one of them um, uh, in a romantic manner at all, ever. Um but that's so that's true. But at the same time, and you kind of know, but at the same time, I'd be on air on Schmoes talking about how lonely I was and how I couldn't uh, get a woman and all this kind of stuff. And I had a girlfriend. I had to keep it secret for other reasons, right. uh, work-related things. And um, I had that completely secret, and I would lie on air. And I would get people tweeting me, oh, you'll find someone. And I was having sex all weekend while they're <laughs> tweeting me this stuff. <laughs> I was I was in Vegas doing s- weird uh, things you couldn't imagine in the windows of the Venetian. Yeah, I could. And uh, I don't want to, <laughs> but I could. <laughs> and uh, these people are tweeting me, "You'll find your love one day." And I had a very great relationship that re- uh, came to an end after uh, uh, five on and off years. Um, so sometimes that persona—I don't even know how we got down this rabbit hole—but um, finding your voice and broadcasting and all that kind of stuff—it's all. You gotta you gotta put your story out there, but I like putting a little bit of a wall up. Uh, I'm breaking it down now here, but but you also you can never can tell because everything I say is true from a certain point of view. That's true. Um, 
and that's not far from your stand-up persona too. You know, I, we would sit around and yeah. we, you know when comedians get together, the first thing they do is they all talk shit about each other. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I remember, you know, people going, "I love Kenny. He's hilarious." But yeah. there are times it just you just you hear him hate himself on stage, and everybody yeah. goes, "Ooh, yeah," because yeah. we all loved you. Yeah. You know, and we all knew a little bit what yeah. was behind the curtain, and we knew yeah. that there was some. You know, we knew there was some chocolate yeah. in that peanut butter. <laughs> Ooh, chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah, that's why stand-up never took off for me. Um, and I just recently did some stand-up. That in your comedy. material, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, it's funny. I'm looking on your shelf there. You got the, the book Pure Drivel by Steve Martin. Yep. And um, he was once asked, why did you become such a success in the 70s as a stand-up? And he said, everyone was talking about Vietnam and Nixon, and I put an arrow through my head. Um, he just was funny. Right. For me, I was one of those comics, and some of them do it great. Mark Maron does it spectacularly. A whole career. R- Richard Lewis, a whole career based on the stage is your therapy. But but that's not easy to do, and you have to be pitch perfect. And I think I try to work through many things and address my awkwardness, my social awkwardness, my lack of women, my lack of ability at the time. Definitely a truthful lack of women and a lack of ability to communicate with women. Women and I tried to work through it on stage, and that's not entertaining. There could have been another way to approach it. Was for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. And, and I was a comics comic, but you're right. So, so all jokes aside, that my material did suffer because it was too lost in trying to um, purge my person, my persona, or trying to purge some things. And look, I tried it again. I've grown. I've changed. Um, uh, lots happened in the last five years since I left stand-up on a full-time basis. Right. I just returned to it in San Diego just a couple months ago now in July at San Diego Comic-Con. Me and Mark Ellis went down, and I, uh, the first night we got into town, we actually went to uh, La Jolla, the comedy store, and, and I did a set, 15 minutes, first time I performed in five years. And you did 15. 15, 10-ish, 10, 10 to 15, you know, right. one of those 10 and a bip. And, but you um, sure made Mark look good. I did, because I was horrible. Now, he'll, if he was here, he'd say, Kenny, 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 you weren't horrible. It was actually hilarious. And I had some friends in the audience, right. uh, including a couple of those attractive women that um, definitely now after seeing the set of friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the first five minutes were bad, and no one can take that away from me. I know what I'm smart. I've been in the business to know. The last five minutes were good. I got some laughs. But one of the reasons was, other than just general nervousness, for whatever reason, all this change has happened in my life and my performance, and I've got a kind of a persona I could play with. Right. When it came to stand-up, I turned on the self-loathing, and I just did what I used to do, and that makes people uncomfortable. So you got to be careful. You know? It's no. like podcasting with Joe Ruscarello. You have to be careful. I wasn't going to bring his name <laughs> up, but uh, yeah, Joe was the, he was the the third party, and uh, no no good group of three ends good when the third guy is named Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've seen the Outlaws is coming, <laughs> or Three it. Stooges meet uh, yeah. meet Snow White, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, but well, but Joe Joe would admit if he's here, he struggles too with. Uh, his stand-up persona when he would do stand-up was, was all about how much he was uncomfortable with himself. And that's fine if you just, if it's insulated a little bit. Right. And uh, I didn't insulate it as a stand-up. I did okay because I not only hated myself, but hated everything around me. Perfect. And, uh, yeah, the, mm-hmm. another comic uh, said, you conceal your, your hate like a, like a shallow grave a child finds. <laughs> 
<laughs> in the wow. old west. That's that's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. One day, one day I'll, I'll get back to stand up again. Mark Ellis and Josh Makuga keep trying over there in Schmoes, and I did it once at San Diego, and that was a tough situation. But um, you did it without workshopping, though, right? I did it cold. Yeah, and that's tough. That's tough. Um, so you'll see. But I, I have to. Hopefully, it's when I sit down to write stand up. I don't know what it is, man. And may, tell me, I don't know. I sit down to write stand up. I don't think of all the funny things I can think of say about life or anything. I think about all the horrible things that I am and try to make that funny. And sometimes it's funny to me. I, I just in San Diego did a bit, uh, you know, something about uh, I'm so bad at flirting at woman uh, with women. I I, uh, I I once just gave her a gift certificate to the Pep Boys, like, you know, like <laughs> and I didn't even get to go. And, and like I was in my head like that's pretty funny. The crowd's like, "Why would you do that?" You know, just because the persona just it, it it's too close to the real thing. I think. Mm, did you tape the set? Uh, Ellis did. Thankfully, I think he missed. Well, you know what? He missed. Uh, I have never watched it because he recorded the first half of it. Then he was coming up next and had to kind of get ready, so he stopped recording. That was the good part. Uh. The only part that would have made me think I'm still funny <laughs> is no. It's <laughs> it's in the minds of those who saw it. Uh, people love you. And the, you know, if you, if you're worried about your stand-up chops just as a joke writer. Yeah. I mean the 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 Schmoes movie news, you know, right. has been great. I uh attempted to write a little bit for that and mm-hmm. uh you know, a couple of jokes got in, but it's really your baby. It and, it, it and is. It, and it wasn't really my place to offer that stuff. So. It is. Well, it's tough. Um and Macuga's tried it too. And here's the thing, I'm not saying you say it's your baby. That's the way to say it. It's not that I'm doing something completely original and genius or blah, blah, blah. But I will say this, and it's one of the rare times I'll say uh, nice things about myself. It is very much my voice and yeah, very much mine. And you can't replicate it because it's very much mine. There's a style and rhythm and cadence to it as well that you can re- replicate. And, and it would be if I really left full time from the show and they needed to bring another news person in, that might work eventually. But it'd be like replacing Dan Marino with the Dolphins. Just wait about ten years and find the quarterback you like. Um, it would be it would be tough. Only be, not because I'm irreplaceable, but because what I specifically do is different than what a lot of people do. Right. And, and, and one of the reasons is it's because, like I said, it's about getting the news out first and then making a joke about it second. For my take on what well, I think don't that spill news the is. secret sauce. But you know, the the who sounded different with uh, with with Kenny Jones, right? You know, than they yeah. did with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it is it is what it is and like I said that but you know that's a high point of the show. People look forward to that. Yeah. People laugh at it. It gets a yep. ton of response yep. and it's you know it works cuz it's funny and it's a reflection of you that uh is only like 30% self-loathing. Yeah, no, yeah, there's some jokes I'll get in there uh about dating. I love mating, making jokes about uh dating profiles. I don't know why. I'm on a few of them. I don't ever use them. Um, but I'll make jokes. And there again, too, I'll be at, it's like 1 a.m. I'm uh, going to bed and I'll tweet out a joke about updating my dating profile. Uh, what was the one I did last week? Was I updated my dating profile to include all the things you'll eventually hate me for. And <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't even on one. I wasn't even looking at Ken, ten, Tinder or Hinge or Bumble or all these bullshit dating sites. Uh, but then I'll get people like, don't think so hard about yourself. I'm, I'm in bed, sleep in heaven. I'm Okay. But I again, I created, I created, I created that old my my own monster. Yeah, 
Because my comedy is based very much on who I am. As far as monsters go, it's not that bad. Come on. We've all been there. I'm and we've, better too. we've all met uh, people a lot worse than us. Yeah, well, I'm, but I'm getting better in the last five years, in the last two years specifically. I, I think I've be, uh, become uh, a little bit, you know, put aside the ranger and become who you're born to be. And I still have those moments. I'm still horrible with women. I'm 100% single right now. That's that's I can't solve that thing. I can't crack that. But uh, I'm okay, man, and I and I do, and uh, you know, I'm busy and working hard, and and uh, um, so I feel good, and I'm excited to see the next, as I enter my 40s, like I feel like finally we'll get it. An old boss of mine once said, he's like, man, 20s were horrible, 30s were all right, but he was 43 at the time. He goes, the 40s have been the best thing yeah, for me. I, I I can I can tell you that. Yeah, I look at this couch and thing you got. Look at this room you I'm got. I'm 40. I'm 46, and I have a couch. Kenny's impressed with that. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, but it's this broadcast room you've built. Oh, yeah. This is All right. Great. The 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 power studios are are pretty cool. I got mm-hmm. I got to say that. So I like that. So we walk through your career a little bit, and we walk yeah. through how you got where you got, and right. and you know you telling tales on the schmoes, telling tales about the knapsack files. So right. what's uh, what's the next phase? Where do we go from here now that all the children are growing up? <sighs> <laughs> Talking about me specifically? Or the no, shows? I just wanted an, an excuse to drop an Alan Parsons project yeah, reference. that's good. Alan Parsons project. Um, if I wanted the schmoes, I'd have them in here. But good they, stuff. They I don't know what's going on. They won't return my calls. I don't know what's going on with the schmoes. Um, well, I, I in the summer I left my day job of seventeen years and uh, and became a producer uh, at Defy Media running a brand called Screen Junkies. Right. Uh, a lot of people might be familiar with them from their Honest Trailers show on YouTube and their show Movie Fights, which is a podcast, vodcast, movie debate show. Anyways, I do that. I join them. I cannot say now why I'm there. There's a specific reason I'm there, and it's a big reason, and it's exciting. It's risky, uh, but people are going to find out soon, hopefully. We're supposed to already have been able to tell people we can't yet. Right. Uh, but there's something giant, and I'm doing something giant, and it's overwhelming, and it's hard, and I've, I've never worked this hard in my life. I have sometimes 16-hour days. Um, I'll work, go home, drive home, eat, try to work out, pull up my laptop, work until I go to bed. Uh, a lot of days like that. But I'm also have some great times. I've been gone. I ne- I don't. I never traveled much as a kid. My family and I. We just didn't travel. Right. Lower middle class. Family. You were just in New York City. I just was in New York. First time. First time in New York City. Did you take my advice? Um, Did you go to Shake Shack? Uh, no, no. I here's. I tried to. Okay. Uh, my friend Jake Baldino, who's a, a YouTuber and a video game guy, w- right. lives in New York, and he's like, "Hey, man, I want. I gotta have lunch with you." And I said, "Great." He goes, "I'm gonna take you to Shake Shack." I said. I've been ordered by Tim Powers <laughs> to go to Shake Shack. So we're, I was staying in Midtown Manhattan, and there's one there. And right. the line, the entire Friday I'd see it, and Saturday I'd see it out the door. Line out the door, sure. So me and Jake and our friend Alicia Malone met up in front of the Shake Shack. We all came from three. It was like some movie. We all three different points. We met there, and we are like, let's do it. The line was manageable, but there was no place to sit because everyone, it must be the best thing ever because... There was no way we were going to sit down and eat. It's good. Baby. It, so we kind of wanted to get to talk to each other. So we went up the street uh, by the theater that where where the movie Birdman was shot, and right. um, we had uh, some Italian Italian food. And hey, I got some Italian food in New York with some white wine at lunch. In, that was kind of experience in Manhattan. That's what you got to do. Yeah, and I didn't get up to Central Park. Uh, ran out of time, but I had a great day Saturday. Love New York. I actually would. You could probably right now convince me to move there. Loved it that much. Wait until winter time. 
And summer. Give me the heat and humidity. I mean, you've been a California boy your yeah. entire life. I think the first the time you have to shovel snow, you're going to be like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I, and then very true, but I, I wouldn't mind going back often. I'll just say that. But uh, then I, I threw, that was for Screen Junkies. We've got a good New York Comic Con. And then we also in August, like two weeks into the job, I got to go to Chicago, uh, really outside Rosemont, but travel there. First time ever there for me. We went to Wizard World. Um, and I get to go. There's some other places in 2016 I get to go for the first time because of Screen Junkies. So the rewards, the job rewards itself, it's hard, man. I'm very overwhelmed right now. Um, not in a can't do my job, but just trying to still figure it out. I'm in the deep end swimming, trying to get to the top. Right. And uh, But it's fun. And, and, to, and, and to at 39, to go through 17 years of a job that was good and a job you saw me on the job, it was different and it was dangerous and it, it had some bad times, but it's a good time, and I met some great people through you it. You had some personal reward. It's not something I would have chosen to do, but it's right. it's something that, that you found personal reward in. Yeah. But now here you are, 39, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, those 18-hour days are a lot easier to manage when yeah. you get to play with microphones and, and play with the stuff that's in your blood, you know? Well, that's the thing, too, is there's some, there's some very stressful days and some very stressful times. I had one almost nervous breakdown. I, uh, like, seriously had to, like, sit down and put my head in my hands and, and shake and try to figure it out. But at the end of the day, that was still a good day because of my other job. A day like that meant I was, you know, fighting someone or, or looking for a bomb or someone was having a heart attack in front of me or a corporate guy was yelling at me. And I'm like, I don't give a crap about this because I should be in the entertainment industry full time. <laughs> And to watch, because the entire time, 17 years at that job, I was in the entertainment industry. I was doing things. But to always, then I'd run into old people who used to work with me, and they'd be like, oh, you're still here? I thought you were supposed to be like a famous actor or something. <laughs> be like, man, I just played 300 people at the improv last weekend. What did you do? But, you know, to them, I'm still at this job. Right. And it's a good job, but uh, time came for it to leave, and it's a weird thing that it did, and it worked out, and this job that I'm at now incorporates not just my creative side, but incorporates that day job, because I'm managing people, and I'm in charge of some things, which again, I, I can't, I wish I could announce. But that you're thing. not arresting people anymore. I'm not arresting people, but uh, I have my handcuffs there. All right, so uh, what uh, are there are there plans for uh, for the Star Wars shows? Are there plans for the Knapsack Files that we can keep our eyes open for? Yet another interview with Matt Key, perhaps. <laughs> Only had four. Eh, it's twice as many as I've been on. So I wait, no, back. that's not true. No, you've been on uh, three. three. You've been on three. Yeah. You're you're a leader in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. You you're 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 playing in the final eighteen. Oh yeah. Um, We'll get you back on. In fact, actually, now I, I have uh, a lot more portable assets. I could bring it on the show on the road a lot easier and, and maintain the quality I'm happy with. I oh, got, good. I got, got myself a Zoom. I just wouldn't. Did you really? I said, screw it. Where did that money go Let's from? invest in it. I did it. I had to do it. Um, so, yeah, that's going on. And then what's going on at Screen Junkies? You'll start seeing me more. You'll start seeing me on there. and. And it's just uh, funny. It, now it's about uh, documenting and um, talking about things I want to talk about, which is Star Wars, Game of Thrones, rest, all the things a child inside me wants to talk about still. But it's also about starting to be more comfortable about sharing my perspective and point of view on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get too political or doing any of that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think I have a f- certain point of view and a good way of living. It's a common sense ways, way of living. There might be some stuff with that. Uh, I would like to do stuff with the normal news. Um, um, but that, I'm waiting on that. I was right before Screen Junkies. I was about to announce um, uh, a, a, a show called Your Week Ahead, which was uh, me looking ahead at the week in news and, and it was some comedy and everything like that. 
and I was I have it. There's a Twitter feed for it even because right. there's a whole valley of dead Twitter feeds of ideas <laughs> I've had and everything. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I was I was literally like two weeks away. And I got this phone call. Right. I was like, I better hold on. I don't know what kind of time I'm going to have. And I, I, I'm glad I, I wouldn't have the time yet because it takes some preparation. Star Wars, I just open up a microphone and I talk about Star Wars. It's in my soul. Um, so all that's kind of coming. So there'll be more. And I'm excited. Well, the I'm Star excited, Wars man. show is just basically you recording the conversation you have in your head while you drive all over Los Angeles. That's 100% accurate. To I the know. point where I've almost thought, of, why don't I just record it while driving home from the toy store? That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> if you could do it in the toy store, it's a whole other story. But. So there's that, man, a lot of things going on. And I'm just excited to kind of change, go into the second chapter, uh, second half of my life, I guess, so to speak. And you know, who knows? Maybe find some love someday. I don't know if I believe in love anymore. I don't think it's a real thing. I think love is just uh, chemicals and circumstance and no faith should be put in it. But uh, My wife's going to be home in about an hour. <laughs> just saying, Ken. <laughs> Just saying, and should I not say that in front of her? No, 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 no. There's my my point is, you saw me in my darkest hour before the lovely Kelly That's Dundon true. entered my life. I have seen your Camry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that poor piece of crap. Yeah, mine's still going too. Yeah, I look. I'm in a very cynical point. My friend Megan pointed out the other day. Um, I was saying the same thing. I just said that's been my line. I go, love ain't real. I'm over it. And uh, she said, you sound like you believe in it so much. That's why you're protesting this much. And I, go, ah, I, go, I go, you're throwing the atheist argument back at me. Where uh, some atheists uh, believe in God more than people who aren't atheists because yep. they want to fight it so much. So that might be me. Who knows? Who knows? We'll get there. Or maybe it'll just put an arrow in my head. You know what, Charlie Brown? You'll get a Valentine. <laughs> don't worry. I don't know if I want one. That's the debate. It's getting bad. Tim. That's when you're going to get one. I know you're trying to wrap up here, but it's getting bad. I spend a lot of lone, lone, uh, lonely nights, and I am lonely, but I spend it very contently lonely watching Netflix or HBO Go on a Friday night thinking, I'm good for the next I'm 30 I'm so years. glad somebody's not asking me questions while I'm watching this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's getting bad. I'm getting too comfortable with that. That's okay. That's okay. Right. But I like, see, I always like your setup, though. You and your wife have a great relationship. Doesn't mean it'll, it, no relationship's perfect. I, I get that. I can get that. But I'm look here in your fun room. You got a, a Shazam doll, a monkey's mobile. It's a Captain Marvel doll. Is that? It's just saying. What? Yeah. I thought that was Shazam. No. Isn't it? It kind of looks like Shazam, right? At least give me that credit. No. No. This is a conversation for off the air. Somebody explain to Ken the difference between Shazam and Captain Marvel. Uh, you got a Morrison Hotel signed by Robbie Krieger. I do. And um, I like this. Like, if this was marriage, I'd, I'd take the garbage out. I'd, and I do, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. My uh, my Monkeys album over there is signed by three of the four. Gotcha. And uh, so, Nesmith, I'm coming for you. Still got time. pretty cool. And then my copy of Odyssey and Oracle right there. Yeah. I'm having signed by the zombies in a couple of weeks at the nice. Saban. Nice. So, so hopefully they'll be guests so on maybe, Deep Dish Radio. Maybe you're more of an inspiration to me than you know, Tim. The, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So let's let's promote uh, the Napzok Files, N-A-P-Z-O-K. The Napzok Files is available on iTunes and wherever good podcasts are sold. Yes, Schmoes no. Available at schmoesno.com. Thursday nights on uh, on YouTube. Uh, Thursday nights on our YouTube channel. You can go to our website, schmoesno.com, live every Thursday, 6 p.m. PST. And then uh, over at Screen Junkies, man, follow Screen Junkies. 
at Screen Junkies and on YouTube and, and, and check into the big announcement. Check in. It's coming soon. It's exciting stuff. Where will the announcement be released first? Um, probably right on Screen Junkies. Probably yeah. right on Screen Junkies. It'll be in a lot of places. A lot of, lot of press places. Big time people. Big time interviews. Stuff coming up. But that and then also uh, follow Force Center Pod. Force Center Pod. And that's the new podcast feed for all the Star Wars stuff I do. Wow. Has anybody called the show Pod Racing yet? There's a podcast called Now This Is Podcasting, which is a reference to... Uh, right. Now This Is Pod Racing. Wizard. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Maybe right. that's your Star sh- Star Wars show. I have zero to say about Star Wars. I really do. I was eight years old in 1977, right. and I was there, and it was cool, but it was not the religion that the Marvel Universe is. It's a whole enough. other story. Fair enough. I get it. I mean, you know, it's a whole other story. So if you like what you hear, check Knapsack out uh, at all those places. And if you like what you hear here, uh, keep coming back. Uh, of course, if uh, you want to check in with me, email at ddr for deep dish radio at email.com. Twitter feed is deep dish radio. And of course, the uh, the deep dish hotline 865 4 Tim says, Ace AYS. 865-4. Tim says you can leave me a voicemail. Love to hear from you. And of course, we love the uh, we love the reviews on iTunes. Tell me you love me. Tell me you hate me. Tell me you want more Kenny. Tell me you had enough and you're ready for me to go back to old rock stars, which I will be glad to do. In any case, that's it for me. We'll see you next time on Deep Dish Radio.